Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we looked uh, last Lord's Day, uh, it's 17 through 19 of our uh, Ephesians chapter 4, one of the things that we saw is the way of the Gentile, the mind of the Gentile, the affections, the emotions of the Gentile, the ruling principle that goes on in the life of the unbeliever. The Gentiles referring to the pagans, those that were non-Jews, and Paul begins to speak to that issue. He really gives a commentary on what fallen, unregenerate man looks like in this world in which we live. Notice in verse 17, he tells us as the church, don't walk like the Gentiles, don't walk like the pagans, the ones who do not know God in salvation. Don't be like them. In other words, I can find a parallel right there with Romans chapter 12. Don't let your minds be conformed to the ways of this world. Don't think like the worldling thinks. We've got to be those that are transformed. Be being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the church, as the principle of God's Word, the grace of the Holy Spirit working within us, our minds must continually be changed in the fashion and the form of God's Word. We are to think the way of Scripture, not the way of the world. The way of the Word, not the way of the world. And if you are not in the Word of God, if you are not then being transformed in your thinking by the ministry of the Spirit through the Word, then you are, consequently, you are being conformed to the ways of the world. And you are thinking just like the worldlings. So let me ask you this question. Do you speak like of as the world? Is your conversation that like the way of the world? I mean, John speaks of this in 1 John 4. Jesus refers to it in John chapter 8. And we find it even in Romans chapter 12 about the way that we speak. When the scriptures speak about the words that come out of our mouth, it refers to that which is in our heart. So the condition of the heart can be seen and known in the way that we speak. What are the words that come out of your mouth? Now, are they words of faith? Are they words of exaltation? Are they trust in the Lord? Are they glorifying to God? Do they honor Him? Do you speak about the sovereignty of God? Do you speak about faith in Jesus Christ? Do you speak about the providential hand of God? Do you speak about redemption? Do you speak about forgiveness, kindness, love? Do you speak these things in accordance with God's Word? Or do you speak as the world speaks? And the two are known. The two are distinct. The two are manifest by the words that come out of the mouth. This is what John says in 1 John 4. They are of the world, therefore they speak of as the world, and the world hears them. But we are of God, little children, and those who are of God hear us. Those who are not of God do not hear us. And by this you will know the distinction of the spirit of the world and the spirit that is from God. It's clear. Two types of people. Those that are in the world, of the world, of the essence of the world, caught up in the world, the spirit of the world, and those who are of Christ. The spirit of God dwells in them. They are those trusting, resting upon the word of God. This is our source, our authority. This is how we live our lives. This is our lifeline to the Lord. And so we speak with regards to this truth. People talk about life, that this is all that there is in this world. 
So get all the gusto that you can in this world because that's all you have is the physical. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, the world says. And we know as believers, there is life after this world. There is eternal life that every individual will take part of eternal life. One to condemnation, one to glorification. But living eternally. Living forever. We know that just this world is not all that there is. We know there is a true and living God. We know that all men will give an account of all the idle words that they have spoken. We know for the believer there is no condemnation. And yet we know that we'll be judged for rewards that Christ gives to His people. Not with regards to are we saved or are we lost. But as Christ rewards His people. There is a judgment that will come. The judgment seat of Jesus Christ. So these are the truths that we speak. This is how we live. This is how we interact. This is how we talk. This is how we engage with one another and with the world in which we live. The unbelievers don't have that. They have a futile mind. It's futile to say, I'm going to tear down these barns and build bigger barns and take my ease. And the Lord says, you fool, this night your life will be required of you. And then who will all those possessions go to? Every man knows there is a true and living God. And every man has eternity in their hearts. Why? Scripture has said so. And so this is what we believe. So Paul goes on and he says their understanding is darkened. Like a dark cave. It's blackened. They do not know the truth of this world. They don't know why they're here. Ever hear that from an unbeliever? There's futility. There is despair. There's hopelessness. That's why there's suicides in this world. What's my life all about? What's it all about? What am I here for? What's the purpose? Why do I struggle so in this world? They haven't a clue. The stars in the sky. The, the, the rainbow. You see the world always trying to interpret these things. They haven't have a clue of what these things mean. And yet their mind is darkened. They're alienated from the life of God. <clears throat> the Lord does not dwell in them. They are unregenerate individuals. They're ignorant and the ignorance dwells within them. They're ignorant in what they say. They're ignorant when they talk about things happening by luck and chance. And that this world is all there is. And running after all the material goods of this world as if that is all that their life consists of. And Jesus says, what is the profit of man if he gains the whole world and then loses his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? And yet that's how the world lives. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? That's what Jesus said in Matthew 6 that the Gentiles all seek. What's going to please me? Because I'm all about pleasure. That's the world in which we live. Look at the world in which we live. How much money do you think is spent in a year's time on entertainment as opposed to education or the learning things. What do you think? There's no comparison. We spend billions and billions of dollars on entertainment. To be entertained. But on the things that are of importance, nothing. <clears throat> let, me, let me say this. 
Think about your giving to the church. What do you give? What's more important to you? To give to the things of the world? A donation to save the elephants or to the work of Christ? You didn't hear me say that there's no importance in caring about the world. We're to be good stewards. But where do you invest your money? Is it a groan for you to give to the life of the church? And then you give freely to some organization of the world? You know, Reader's Digest or something, whatever it is. I mean, that's, that's the way that the Gentiles live. They're past feeling, giving themselves over to lewdness and uncleanness with greediness. Now look at our text. But Paul says this, But you have not so learned Christ. Fantastic phrase. Paul says there, so many implications. This is an aorist tense, which means that you have come to know Him. You are in the state of knowing Christ. And you know that you haven't learned Christ in the ways of the Gentiles. The ways of the Gentiles are contrary to the ways of Christ. And as Paul says here, you have not so learned Christ. He is speaking about a schooling, uh, an education as it were, by the Spirit, through the Word, upon the mind of an individual. Christ has called us to holiness. 1 Peter 1, Be holy as I am holy. Which comes from the book of Leviticus. The Lord calls His people to be a set-apart people. To not be a people caught up in the world. Beloved, if it's not unto holiness, it is not a doctrine of Christ. Because the doctrines of Christ are always unto holiness. And that's not the way of the Gentiles. You didn't learn the ways of Christ by living and steeped in the doctrines of the pagans. So, the apostle says, you haven't learned Christ in this way. You haven't learned holiness. You haven't learned forgiveness. You haven't learned righteousness. You haven't learned cleanness in the ways of this world, have you? The ways of this world constantly teach you unholiness, uncleanliness, unrighteousness, ungodliness, unforgiveness, and rebellion, hatred, envy, lust, and all the other things. That is the teaching of this world. That's not of Christ. What's Paul saying here? If you've come to know Christ, you're going to be different from the world. Now, I understand there's degrees of sanctification. There's growing in grace. But if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old things passed away and are passing, falling away. The, The new things, all things becoming new, is a progressive thing. We're constantly growing and understanding and it's new. There's a new understanding. There's a new mindset. There's a new principle, new love, new affection, new desire, new direction, new standard within the life. Things have all together become new for one who is in Jesus Christ. It's not a perfect practical living. But it is a distinct direction that is contrary to the ways of the world. You're living 
a different life. You're not living that life to become a child of God. You're living that life because you are a child of God. You've been made a child of God. You're not born a child of God. You're spiritually rebirthed by the Holy Spirit to be a child of God. You don't come naturally into this world because you were birthed into a family where your parents are Christians, that now I'm a Christian because from birth, no, you are born of the Spirit of God or you are not a believer. So Paul is speaking in this way, you have not so learned Christ, can be equated with salvation. <clears throat> if you are saved, you know the doctrines of Christ. As I said this morning, if you've come to a deeper knowledge of the things of God, you know the expressions of this world are garbage. And you know that many times people say things within the life of the church that are absolute garbage. God will understand. God will understand my rebellion at this point. And if you know Him, and you are in union with Him, and you come to what Paul speaks of as an epic gnosis, a deeper abiding knowledge of God, then you know that that just simply is not true. You know that God doesn't understand in that way. Of, oh, He'll have compassion on me even though I'm walking in rebellion. No, He won't. Because you've come to know Him. You've been schooled by Christ. And everybody that knows the Son knows the Father. And if you know the Father, you know the Son. And you know that God is holy. And He calls us to holiness. To walk in holiness, in godliness, in righteous behavior. The world doesn't live that way. The world is live and let live. Do whatever you want. Whatever pleases you, do it. You can have your own thing and go your own way and nobody's going to bother you with that. If you want to be trans this or trans that, it doesn't matter anymore. That's the world in which we live. How strange is that? Compare that to 100 years ago. 200 years ago. How strange is that? When I was a kid going to school, you know, homosexuality has been around since the fall. But as we would say, they kept it in the closet. Now it's like, it, it's, well, what do they say? Gay pride. What is that? They have parades about being trans anything. And hey, you can't say anything. Because that, now that's a hate crime. I can say what God's word says, and that is what I will say. That is an abomination to the Lord. And if you don't say that, beloved, if you don't say what God says, I, there's a word for you, it's called coward. And that's a lot of the church today. It's a lot of cowardice. Afraid to say what God says in his word because of repercussions. Because they may not like me. They may firebomb my house. I may lose my possessions. So we never get around to honoring the Lord with the truth because we're so afraid of the world. And we have lost our light. And as the church of Laodicea, Laodicea we have lost our first love. We have become lukewarm. Is the church today hot? I'm not talking about you sitting in here this morning. 
Is the church hot? Is the church hot in its worship? Is the church today hot in its service of the things of God? Is the church hot today in evangelism? Is the church hot in honoring and glorifying the Lord, in obedience to the Lord? Is the church hot today? Or is it cold? Or is it lukewarm? Jesus says, I wish you were either hot or cold. In other words, I can work with that. There's something to work with there if it's cold. I can heat you up. But you're lukewarm. You give an appearance, but there's no substance. There's no fire. You wouldn't melt butter. That's the church today. I I think the church today, again, is lukewarm. I think we're right back there with the church of Laodicea. I, I think the church has lost its first love. I think it's lost direction. I think it's lost focus. I think the church has really lost what is important in life. And we're caught up in all the things of the world. We act just like the world. How are we a change agent? How are we those that demonstrate that we've been schooled in the school of Christ? We're a different people. We're a set apart people. Not a better people. A redeemed people. Our sins have been covered in the blood of the Lamb. We are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We are partaking of the Word of God. We are enjoying life in the church, with the church, communing with one another. And with God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Assess that, beloved. Look at the life of the church in the book of Acts. And ask yourself that question. Is the church today on fire with the word, with evangelism, going everywhere, evangelizing, spreading the gospel, as they even were in the book of Acts? I don't think so. Far from it. We need an injection, as I've said before, of boldness by the Spirit of God, and yet humility as well. I think on two sides of the same coin. We need boldness and humility. Why? Boldness, so we're not afraid to speak the truth. And humility, to recognize that it is God who made us to differ. So Paul says, you have not learned Christ in that way. If, notice the subjunctive, if, if indeed you have heard him. Have you heard Christ? This again is is a phrase that Paul uses that's astounding. What is he saying here about hearing Christ? This goes beyond just the voice of the minister preaching. This is mystical in one sense. It's ineffable. It's unexplainable. I can't break this down for you. I can tell you about what it means but I can't understand it to the depth because there is mystery there to me. And what is it? That Christ uses sinful men as they proclaim His Word to make His voice heard. Now let me give you an example. The first thing we we find is with Jesus in John 10. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Alright, so how would that be then through the preaching of the word? Because he had said, there are other sheep that are not of this pasture. Them too I must bring in, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. They will hear my voice. How? Through the proclamation of the word. How do the Ephesians 
hear the voice of Christ through the proclamation of the Apostle Paul. That's astounding. When you think of the implication of that as we gather together and Christ makes His voice heard in your soul through this particular preaching of the Gospel, that's ineffable. Then all of a sudden you realize that Christ is shepherding His sheep through a sinful man who is called as an under-shepherd. Jesus, when He sent out His disciples, said, when you go out proclaiming, He who hears you hears Me, and He who hears Me hears Him who sent Me. Again, they go out with the Gospel, and to hear them as they preach the Gospel of Christ was to hear Christ, was to hear the Father who sent Christ. Think about the rejection of the Word. To reject the Word of Christ, or the one that is sent, commissioned by Christ, is to reject Christ Himself, is to reject the Father who sent the Son. Those are high stakes, aren't they? Those are ultimate issues. To reject the proclamation of God's Word when it's faithfully expounded is to reject Christ Himself who makes Himself to be heard through the Word. To hear it, to receive it, is to receive Christ. It's to embrace Him. Paul in Romans chapter 10 Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Well, how will they believe in Him whom they have not heard, and how will they hear without a preacher, and how will they preach unless they are sent? Paul again is saying that Christ is heard through the preaching of the Word. Beloved, this serious business. It is a serious thing to come here Lord's Day after Lord's Day and hear the ministry of the Word and not respond to the Word of Christ. It's a serious thing. It's a dangerous thing. I've heard it said before, this is the most dangerous place that you can be on a Sunday, is hearing the Word of Christ, and then walking out unchanged. Walking out without giving an ear to the Word. Without being changed in your soul. To ignore it. To be indifferent about it. To not think about it. To not reflect upon it. To not give the yea and amen to that Word. That's That's dangerous. And yet that's exactly what Paul is saying. If indeed you have heard Him. You see, if you've learned Christ, you've heard Him. If you've heard Him, He has saved you. He's enabled you to hear Him. And the hearing here is just not the outward ears. Jesus speaks about the word sinking down into the ears, which has the the imagery of going into the soul. It makes substantial changes within the life of an individual. It changes the way that you view things, the way that you think about things, the way that you uh, engage with other people. Your conversations change. Your lifestyle changes. It's not a perfection, but it certainly is a different direction of life. You're going on a different... You're on a highway of holiness. You're going different than the ways of the world. And you'll know because the world won't be able to stand you. You'll be one that's a stench to the world. You'll be a sweet-smelling aroma in the nostrils of our God. But you will be a stench to the world. The church is a stench to the world. The church is a sweet-smelling aroma to God, but it's a stench to the world. We're in the way of the world. 
Why? We're calling to faith and repentance. We're calling to holiness and righteousness, to godliness, to put away all their idols. We're in the way. We're a hindrance. We're a stumbling block to the morality of the world, uh, which is in darkness. So, you think about that, beloved, how this word is to get down into your souls. You ought to be in prayer about that. You ought to be praying, Lord, sink your word into my soul. Make the changes in my life. We all need changes. I need a lot of changes. And it's the Lord who makes that change. And how does He do that? By sinking the word within the soul. Take it, drive it, Lord. Drive it as a spike. And drive it deep down into the soul. Let my mind resonate upon the things of Christ. Let me reflect upon it. Let me mull over it. Let me utter that to myself. Let me speak your word to my own heart. Do this, Lord. Revive me again. Lift me up. Make me to understand. Teach me, Lord, your precepts. That's what we find in Psalm 119. Constantly, we find that refrain. Teach me, make me, instruct me, direct me, give me. I need understanding, Lord, and you, you alone give it. So the Greek term, akuo, it doesn't simply mean the outward hearing. But this means something different about reaching down into the soul to make serious, serious changes within the soul. And as a man thinks in his inward parts, so is he. As in water, face reflects face. So the heart of the man reflects the man. Have you heard Christ? Have you heard Him say to you, Come to me? You who are weary, heavy laden, because of your sin, come to me. And I, which is emphatic, I and I alone will give you rest. Have you heard Him? Have you heard Him that the wages of sin is death? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said, He who hears my word and believes in Him who sent me has everlasting life and has passed from death into life and will never more come under condemnation. Have you heard Him? Have you heard Him say, Your sins are forgiven you. That there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Have you heard Him, beloved? You can see it's, it's more than just an outward hearing. It's a change of life, isn't it? Your life is changed. We talk about don't put all your eggs in one basket. You do when you're in Christ. All my eggs are in His basket. It all relies upon Him. If it's not true, I perish. Because it's given all to Him. And I know that it's true. It's the Holy Spirit working in and through the Word, testifying causing that assurance within the soul. It's all rests upon Him. Listen to what the Apostle Paul. Brethren and fathers, this is Acts 22. Hear my defense before you now. When they heard that what He had spoke to them in Hebrew language, they all kept more silent. Then He said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous towards God as you all are today. And I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. Also the high priest bears me witness, and all the counsel of the elders with whom I received letters to the brethren, 
and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there in Jerusalem to be punished. And now it happened as I journeyed, I came near Damascus about noon. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who are with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. Notice the difference there. The soldiers are there. Saul of Tarsus is there. Saul hears. They do not hear. Christ caused Saul to hear, and he did not cause them to hear. The sound they heard, the voice they did not. And since I could not see for the glory of the light, being led by the hand by those of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, uh, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me. And he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the same hour I looked up at him. And then he said, The God of your fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. Have you heard, beloved? Have you heard Jesus? If you have, your life has changed. The word of Christ regenerates. The word of Christ sanctifies. The word of Christ makes holy. The word of Christ causes one to walk in righteousness. He says you've heard and you've been taught by him. Teaching of Jesus Christ. Christ teaches us to walk in a manner that is pleasing to him. Christ teaches us that we are living sacrifices of thankfulness to him. Because, beloved, the truth is in Jesus. Notice Paul says, have been taught by him. Uh, Not a very good translation. Uh, the, The Greek word is in, which means in. You are in Christ. Notice you have been taught in him, in union with him. You are in Him and He is in you. And He instructs you as you are spiritually united to Him through the Word. He enlightens the Word. He gives understanding to the Word. Substance to the Word. Excitement for the Word. Do you have excitement for the Word? The excitement to hear the preaching of the Word. To read the Word. To grow in understanding of the Word. To delight in the Word. To worship the true God through the Word of God. As He calls us to worship Him in this way. Do you have excitement for that? Are you indifferent to the things of God? Did you come, beloved, on the Lord's Day? Because it's habit. It's what we do. It's routine. It's what we've always done. I've done it since I was a little kid. Okay, great. Are you hearing Christ? Do you hear Christ? Have you heard Christ? Are you being taught by Christ? Is your life different? At an old an older lady once in a congregation. And she was a nasty woman. I don't know how else to say it. She was a member of the church and she was, she was nasty. She was nasty with the way she talked. She was rude. Just, just nasty. And people used to say this. 
that's just the way that she is. I, I never understood that. What do you mean, that's just the way that she is? I used to be nasty. I know what nastiness is. I used to be one of those nasties. Arrogant. Irritating. Obnoxious individuals. There's still a little bit of that in me. I'm still being sanctified. But she was just nasty. And I said, that is not just the way that she is if she's in Christ. You see, the nastiness, which is still in me, is being put off more and more. I am not that same old nasty individual that I used to be. I am not that arrogant individual that the world has to revolve around me. I am not that same guy. I had a friend once who said, you know, I don't want to talk about all this Jesus stuff anymore. Let's just go back to the things that they used to be, how they used to be. I said, I can't. That guy died. He doesn't live anymore. The, the new man in Christ, there's a change of address. There's a newness of life, new thinking, new direction. New affection, new love, new standard. Is that you? Have you heard Christ? Are you being taught by Him, beloved? Are you being taught as you are in union with Him? You see, if you are in union with Him, you must be being taught by Jesus. That's not a been there, done that. That's a lifelong endeavor of getting to know and love in a deeper, more abiding way the Savior who shed His blood that you might have life in that more abundantly. It is coming to know Him in a deeper way. You cannot know somebody individually unless you spend time with them. You've got to cultivate that relationship. You have got to talk. You have got to engage. You have got to express. Christ pours out Himself to us in His Word and we pour ourselves out to Him in prayer. And I come to know Him in a greater way as He reveals Himself in His Word. And He knows my heart infinitely. But I pour it out to Him and I become aware more and more of who I am. And a lot of times I don't like what I see about me. And that's what the Word of God reveals to me. But at the same time, I know that I'm not condemned because Christ was condemned in my place. Because I've come to hear Christ. He's made me to hear. As members of the church, as those who have professed to believe on Jesus Christ, are you being taught by Jesus? Does your life show and demonstrate that you're in the school of Christ? Beloved, this is not to be saved. This is a consequence of salvation. This is the sanctified life. This is Christian living. It's not, I made a decision for Christ. Now I can live any old way that I choose. No, it's the highway of holiness. And it becomes more and more intense as you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. As you're putting on the mind of Christ, it becomes more and more depth. It becomes more and more deep in your living. It becomes more intense in your life that you want to serve Him. The truth is in Him. Jesus said in John 17, This is eternal life. That you know me and the only true God who has sent me. Have you been taught, beloved? Do you know? Do you hear the voice of Christ? This is what Paul is saying. It is 
absolutely distinct and contrary to the ways of this world. If you heard Christ, you want to hear more of Christ. And so you keep on coming to the word to hear your sins are forgiven you. I give you eternal life. You will never be condemned. I gave my life for you. You will never be lost. And you are comforted as you hear the word of Christ. Amen. Shall we pray?